everyone. Welcome to Superwoman. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine and woman you have probably seen all over your social feeds, Chriselle Lim, also aka Rich Mom. And I would say not to diminish anything you do, but also more importantly, what you were doing with Bumo, which I'm so excited to talk about with you today as well. Yeah. So thank you for having me. I am so excited to, to be sharing my story here with everyone. So let's dive in. What were you doing before you started blogging, uh, before you got into this industry? And did you know it was something you wanted to pursue? Yeah. So I started my blog when I was in college, the last few years of college. So I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. I started a YouTube channel just for fun because I was honestly just really bored. And that boredom kind of led me to discover my creativity, my love for creating content. And so that's how it really started. So there were definitely no plans in the making. It was just me being bored and following that. How long did you have it before you realized that there was something to it or you were starting to get attention or make money from it? When I started creating content, just to clarify, like there was no industry for influencers. It was just like funny videos on YouTube, mainly like cat videos or memes or like things that you just watch when you're bored. So there were very little to no creators at the time. So making money off of videos made absolutely no sense. So I started it just for fun without having the intention to make money. And it really took about, I would say, three years for me to realize that there was something here, that there was an opportunity that was just going to blow up eventually, which is digital industry. Up until that point, I was just kind of doing it for fun. So I, I remember when it was first starting and we were embracing it wholeheartedly. And the the people that ironically are probably some of your biggest clients were like, you know, don't work with these people. They're C-list celebrities. Why would you have them in your front row? I mean, I remember we had a show where we had like 75 influencers at the show. And it was like, we had like, done the worst thing in the world. In the very beginning of this whole thing, which I feel like is hard for people to remember, do you do you remember receiving that negative impact and did that affect you at all? I actually remember that show, Rebecca, because um, it was probably the only show that I got invited to, which was your show. <laughs> so I will forever be grateful for you always being such a big supporter of influencers and really being the first one to kind of embrace this whole industry. Yeah. I mean, I was super insecure going into this, you know, just going to fashion week alone felt like I was being an imposter because 10 years ago, you know, the only people that went to fashion week that actually worked with brands were celebrities. And I, by all means, did not view myself anything like them couldn't relate to them. And so like for me to go there, I'm not an editor. I'm not a celebrity. Who am I? Right. Mm -hmm. So I went in there just scared and nervous, but I had a few people that were my peers, Ami Song being one of them. We're just like, let's just do it. You know, let's just go and do it and we'll just have a lot of fun. So with that kind of uh, mindset of, you know, what is there to lose and also having a buddy, which was incredibly helpful. Um, for me, it was Ami. Like we traveled everywhere together when we first started off because we kind of started our, our career off together. We went to Paris 
fashion week together when like no one, like it was just weird that we were there, right? Like influencers just did not attend Paris Fashion Week. So I think having a buddy um, and just making it fun uh, made it a little bit easier. But yeah, it was it was definitely scary. Obviously, the landscape has changed. And now this is part of our zeitgeist. It's it's how you know, we don't even I mean, it's sad to say, but I don't consider, you know, an advertisement, I go, okay, who can we work with to get this product out? So how did you have to evolve as a businesswoman to make sure that this wasn't something that, you know, it was great while it was trendy, but actually, this takes business and it takes intelligence to actually make a career out of this? Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to have both. And I think that's where the biggest struggle was for me because I went into this knowing that I love being creative and that I love creating content. But all of a sudden, when you're doing this, especially whether you're doing a part-time or full-time, but especially when you're going into this, you know, leaving your job, leaving your career and saying, okay, I'm going to do this full-time, you have to put your business mind to it, even though that's a muscle that you're not comfortable flexing or working. And as a creative, I definitely, um, that's something that took practice. And so knowing that this was going to be my full-time job and knowing that I want to make a business out of this, I asked for help because numbers and money, just to be honest, was never my strong suit. So I think that was my number one thing is just knowing and embracing my weaknesses and what I'm really shitty at and finding a partner that would actually compensate for my weaknesses. And so I've always had a partner in this business. I mean, it's not for everyone, um, but it allows me to have a full-fledged business where I'm able to still be creative for the most part. How did you pick your partner? And what I think for women out there, you know, starting businesses or thinking about starting businesses, they're not even sure what they should look for in a partner or what, you know, I always say, find a partner that does everything that you can't. Mm -hmm. But do you have any advice about how you've found a partner and, and helped you and what you've maybe learned and how you might think differently because of what you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two parts to a partner. And it's like, it's no different than any other relationship. You know, we go into marriage knowing that, okay, this person has to kind of check off like some of these boxes, maybe not all of them, but some of them, right? And that's the same thing with finding a business partner. You know, you might have like an ideal list, but as long as they check off like two out of five things or like three out of five things, then you're set. And so for me, it's always been number one, are they good at what I'm not good at? Number two is, can I trust them? And this is probably the hardest part when it comes to business, because when it comes to trust, you automatically think, okay, family members or a close friend. But as we all know, and I'm sure you know this more than anyone else, because you do business with your own family members, right? So you have to ask yourself, you know, am I ready to you know, get into business with this person. For me, it's always been close friends, but it's very clear from the beginning what their roles are. And uh, we kind of set boundaries. So we know when it's time to be a friend and we know when it's time to do business. And I think it just has to, you have to start it from the, st the beginning of the relationship and make it very, very clear. Yes, that clarity is so key because I find the biggest explosions I've had in my life with any of my different partners has been people thinking they get to dip into an area where it's not their lane. Right. 
Or they think that because it's comfortable, they can give you their opinion or say how it should be done. And then the fireworks fly. Yeah. Like for instance, so I have two businesses, right? One is my influencer business where I have a team of about four people now there. And I have Bumo, which is, you know, it's gotten pretty large and we have a team of about almost 40 people there now. And so I have business partners on for both businesses and it allows me to do both things. There, there are things you have to give up control. And I don't know if you agree with me on this, Rebecca. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts as well. But it's like, I want to do many things. And it seems like you also do many things from different businesses. And what a partner allows you to have and do is to be able to explore different things and opportunities that come your way. Whereas if you are the CEO and you are the founder and you and like the whole business is reliant on you, then it gives you less room and freedom to explore different things. And so I've always known that about myself. Like I, I know that not that I get bored easily, but I have many different interests and I am always like thinking of new ideas. So because I have strong partners in each business, it allows me to do both things and many more things. That's what I was going to get into next is how the F do you manage it all? (laughs) Especially with two very different businesses. What made you, at what point did you decide you wanted to launch a second business? And I'd love to get into to Bumo. Yeah. So I had the idea of Bumo, which initially started off as a workplace for working parents. So they could be co-located with their child and also be able to work and excel in their career at the same time. So many parents, especially women, they have to make that binary choice of, okay, do I choose work? Do I choose my career? Or do I sacrifice that so I could raise my kids? And while my parents did that, and while so many of our parents did that, it's 2021, you know, we, I thought that we would have more options by now. And so when I had my first child, yet alone my second child, there was nothing available except, okay, you could either have your career and then put your kid into daycare, or you could like hire a nanny, Uh, you know, there, there was just like two or three options. And so I just started asking questions of like, why not? Why can I not do both? And that is why um, I developed and created Bumo Work. But what happened during that time, uh, we actually landed a amazing location at the Westfield Century City Shopping Center, which is opening up in March 2021, which is not too far off. But this was supposed to open last year. But as we all know, the pandemic happened. We raised our money. We were so excited. We were on top of the world. And then the coronavirus happened. And Joan and I, my partner and I, we looked at each other and we're like, shit, (laughs) what are we going to do? Are we just going to wait around and see if this virus goes away so we could open up our location? Or should we figure out what parents need at this point? And so that question led to another question. And for me, it's always been about like, what is the next obvious thing, right? So we had this, all this amazing curriculum built out because uh, we're opening up essentially on-site daycare, right? And we had all these amazing teachers lined up. And so at that time, in the beginning of the pandemic, parents were freaking out because, myself included, because all of our kids had to do virtual learning. And so 
the experience with virtual learning was so painful. And I'm sure you could attest to this, Rebecca, as a mom. It was just like getting kids, you know, putting them all on a Zoom class, 20, 30 kids in one class, them speaking all over each other. And my, my daughter, who's never experienced this, she all of a sudden developed this anxiety for technology because she she doesn't know what Zoom is. She doesn't know like what people are doing on the screen, yet alone, she was just so scared. And so that's when I asked Joan, I was like, can I actually take one of our teachers for Bumo and just have her teach Chloe with the curriculum that we developed for now until we figure out what we're going to do? And she said, sure. And we did that. And it was magical. And I was like, holy shit, this is really, really good. If I think it's good, and if I need this, and I'm sure other parents need this, especially during this time. And so we launched what we called a camp at the time. It was summertime. So we launched a summer camp with, I think, a handful of classes. And it immediately sold out in about 24 hours. Then we launched uh, summer camp too, because there was just so much demand. And every single time we launched these sessions, they would sell out faster and faster and faster. And that's when we we knew that we were onto something. And so now we have thousands of families, hundreds and thousands of families all over the world taking um, Google Brain classes virtually um, and in 23 different countries as well. So that is... <laughs> how Bumo developed and kind of the evolution of it all. And it's been a wild journey. And as you know, Rebecca, like I called you, like you're one of the first people I called when I was raising money, developing this business idea, because it's something that I was not used to doing. It was something that was so foreign to me. I've been a content creator my whole life, running a small size business. And so I was scared and it was really hard and challenging, but Thanks to people like you who are just so like transparent and open and like willing to make introductions. It got us here. So, yeah. I mean, I barely did anything, but I was happy to help because I think your vision for this is extraordinary. And I feel like if only the public school systems would adopt one tenth of what you're doing, uh, our children would be far, far less anxious for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was anxious when Zoom started. I remember we had a call and for a long time, I was just using your Zoom link for all my things because I was like, I don't even know how to make my own. <laughs> I was like, I'll just keep using Chriselle's because it's saved in my phone. <laughs> oh my I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And then I think you guys got wise to it and changed the link or something. But for a while, I was like, how do you even set this up? I know we've all come so far with technology, but that just shows you, right? Like, yes, it was scary adapting, but look at how far as a society we have come. You know, we are running businesses, huge businesses in our own homes virtually. And it just shows you the power of just adopting new tools and technology can really change how we do things forever. Oh, 100%. I don't necessarily see a lot of this going back. I mean, the amount of things I get done now working, you know, remotely is 10 times what I was doing in the office. So absolutely. Um, Same here. Yeah. This last year has been incredibly hard on all of us, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. And that is why I am so excited to tell you about my new book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. I wrote this book because on my journey, there have been so many times where I've been at the fork in the road and I wasn't sure which way to go. And I wrote it so that I could give you the insight 
I've learned over the last 15 years on how you can navigate these times and any hard times or just life with confidence and create a successful future for yourself. You can pre-order the book now wherever books are sold and then email me the receipt fearless at rebeccaminkoff.com to unlock $25 credit on my site as well as get the first half of the book digitally. So I urge you order the book today and let the fearless journey begin. Let's pivot and talk about Rich Mom. (laughs) I feel like I saw Rich Mom start as everyone was stuck inside and people were starting to discover TikTok. What made you develop this incredibly hilarious persona and how did you do it without, you know, I think especially from, I would say, the entire course of the pandemic, there's been people that have been tone deaf, right? Mm -hmm. And gotten so much shit for it. And you you rode that line of it was never tone deaf. It was always entertaining and it was always offering levity to people rather than, you know, the news. Right. What made you want to do that? Yeah. So Rich Mom happened by accident. I obviously did not give myself that name. Um, it was actually the TikTok, my TikTok followers who named me that. And so how it happened was I downloaded TikTok. December of 2019. So a little over a year now. And this was right before just things happened with the world, right? And I was heading out to Paris for Fashion Week. I think it was late January. And for me, throughout my career, it's always been about being curious. And curiosity is the one thing that has led me to be here is not being stuck on one platform. Yes, I started on YouTube. Yes, I had a blog. Yes, you know, I had Instagram. But again, I think this, this has always been kind of just my personality, I guess. I just get so curious about how things are on the other side, which could be a good and bad thing, right? So I just kept hearing about this TikTok thing. And at that time, I think they just got it was like bite dance, and they just got bought out. And all these kids were on it. So I was like, oh, let me just download it, downloaded it, found it kind of entertaining, but definitely was not my cup of tea. But when I went to Paris, that's when it changed it all because I just started uploading my everyday content, fashion outfits from Paris Fashion Week. And a lot of these young kids, they were like, who is this rich mom? Why is she in Paris? Why is she wearing like all these crazy outfits? Who? Why is she sitting front row at all these shows? And I think they were very curious to who I was because they've never heard of me, first of all. And secondly, this is when Parasite, the movie, just came out. And all these kids were, were saying how I looked like the rich mom from that movie. So because they didn't know who I was, they're like, oh, this rich mom, this rich mom. And so... I just played along with the character that they gave me. And then all of a sudden I was getting comments like, hey, mom, I ran out of money. Can you like wire me some money? Can you send me an iPad? And of course I did it, but I was just playing along with them being like, hey, sure. Like I'll send it to you next week. What's your bank account number? And I was just playing this, playing up this role and it just really took off. And that is in the middle of the pandemic. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people were, being canceled during this time, especially influencers and celebrities, because 
sensitive times and you just had to really be careful as far as not just the content that you put out there, but, you know, speak up for what you believe in. And, you know, I quickly realized that rich mom could go south, especially the name in itself. It just sounds obnoxious for anyone that knows me. They know that like, that's the last thing that like, I'm not an obnoxious person. I'm actually more so shy to talk about and flaunting all these things. So for me, it was a mixture of content. So yes, I was showing all these like fabulous things, fashion items, luxury fashion things. But majority of the content was actually for the Gen Z audience to develop kind of a rich, confident identity. So I would talk about how to go into a room and like really own it, how to start your own business and how to have the confidence to do so. And it was all kind of from Rich Mom's persona. But these are valuable tips that I've learned throughout my journey. And so I just kind of added that storytelling element of how they could do it too. And they could have this rich, fruitful life. And I've always been preaching about being rich is not just about money and the things that you have and the luxury, but it's about having a rich mind, educating yourself, having a rich heart, you know, being able to have compassion and stand up for what you believe in and really just being that voice and being that light in the darkness. So I think because, you know, the character in itself is more of a, I guess you can say a woke mom versus like, look at me flashy type of mom it really took off during these times. It's so fun. I love watching you on it. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out my TikTok and my relationship to it, but I'll, I'll get there, I hope. <laughs> I, I, I actually saw some of your TikToks, I think it was two nights ago, and they're so fun. And you wow. know what TikTok does? It, it kind of loosens people up, which I love, and it just allows them to do... At, at first, it feels really uncomfortable, but I think you just see a different side that you never thought you would see in people. And uh, for me, that's why I just love the platform. TikTok has allowed me to show a different humorous side of myself. And I feel like that's a lot, that is also true for many people as well. Totally. Okay. So I would love to tap into what you see next. You know, I know um, you're probably working hard and heavy on renovating and establishing your new house, but for Chris Lim, the company and for Bumo, what do you have planned in 2021 that we can look forward to? Yeah. So as far as Bumo goes, we are opening up our location in a matter of weeks. So really just getting ready for that. Super excited about having a safe space for working parents, for them to be able to do both and feel empowered to do both. So that is what's right around the corner for us. And as far as myself as a content creator, you know, 2021, I really believe that video is here. It's always been here, but it's like here, here. So tapping more into creative content and ideas that I've always wanted to explore on the video side, um, really developing the strong relationship with my Gen Z audience, which is, you know, I believe the future. So that is why I'm heavily invested into my TikTok and my audience there. And hopefully doing some fun collabs with some brands that I love. So, and, you know, just getting by every single day. I, I, I didn't really talk about this, but, you know, I'm doing the whole homeschooling at home with the kids and all of that. So just, you know, surviving every single day is a gift in itself. 
100%. So how how do you do all this? Because I know you have partners, but just creating content alone takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it on my to-do list every day. And then I realize I never, you know, I don't get to it as often as I want to and need to. And you have the kids at home. How are you supporting yourself or getting people to help you? Or, you know, how are you yeah. validating or prioritizing? Yeah. So we moved to be closer to grandparents. So I'm very, very lucky where I have my husband's parents, my in-laws that are down the street. That was intentional of us with this move uh, to be closer to them. So during the day, I do have some support there with the kids. Not going to lie about that because I don't think I'll be able to get as much as I do during the day if I didn't have their support Chloe is six years old. So for virtual learning, she is pretty, you know, independent in that sense where I feel very lucky. Even the difference from like five to six has been like a huge jump for us and just like her being independent on her own. But for me, really, it's a matter of figuring out what works for me with this new kind of life and schedule of mine working from home. So I used to really... um look forward to my morning times, which is when I used to wake up and work out and do all that. I I used to be one of those crazy people that would wake up at like 5am to work out. But I like, I try to do that and it just does not work with my schedule anymore because the only time that I have time to really, truly catch up with work um, is once the kids are down. So I end up sleeping quite late. And so I kind of had to flip my schedule and be okay with that. So what happens now is once the kids are down, I finish up any con or any like leftover business and usually it's emails. And so you just have to know when you feel the most inspired. I feel the most inspired in the mornings. So I try to create all of my content in the morning before I actually dive into emails because once I get into emails, it's really hard for me to get out of that mode. And like after that, I don't even want to create content anymore. So in the mornings, usually from like 9 to about 1 p.m., that is my time to create content, whether it be for Instagram, TikTok, sponsorships, uh, recording podcasts like this. We always try to schedule that in the morning. And then after that, that is when I get into emails um, and then kind of the leftover things get finished up once the kids are down. And then, yeah, so I just kind of had to flip the script with like my schedule. I don't really wake up at like 5 a.m. anymore. I actually work out at night now because that just seems to be a better fit for my schedule. So it's just a matter of like undoing what you're used to and figuring out what actually works now. So that's how I get so much done during the day. And you put your kids to bed at a reasonable hour, which uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to do because then I would have so much more time. Wait, how old are your kids? They're nine, six, and three. And I can't get them to bed before 10 p.m. And I've tried. And so by the time that happens, my night is done. But oh, my goodness. I do, I, I'm jealous of my friends who are like, the kids are in bed at seven. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure by nine, they're just like doing their own things. So I could imagine how and then like the little one just follow suit, right? Exactly. To whatever the big one wants to do. Exactly. So I can imagine how difficult that is. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. My last two questions for you. What is one thing we would be surprised to know about you? Um, I'm actually not a very good business person. Okay. A lot of people, and I think this also comes with like PR, and I'm just going to be really upfront with you is PR 
it makes it seem as if like people are so successful and they they share the story, which is great. Like that that is needed. But what oftentimes gets overlooked is like strengths and weaknesses, right? The a lot so a lot of um, what I hear from people and my peers is like, oh, like how did you build these businesses out of nothing, and how are you doing so many things? And this kind of goes back to our conversation from the beginning. Is I'm not a great business person. I've realized that I am not great with numbers. I'm a true creative, and I have all these crazy ideas. But what I am really good at is knowing what I'm not good at and hiring in those places, which makes it seem like I am a good business person. <laughs> um, so, and always asking for help, you know, like I've never been afraid to just like, I mean, not everyone has access to Rebecca Minkoff, I understand that. Um, but like not being afraid to call up or text people or email people that, I look up to and just be like, Hey, I need help. Like, what do you think about this? And so that is kind of a secret of mine. I'm so happy you're sharing that because I think, uh, I don't think, I know there is this notion of like, even people say to me, Oh my God, you're doing it all. How are you doing it all? And I'm like, because I hire people that can do it better than me, you know, in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases. Yeah. the The secret is I have someone that's an incredible podcast editor and I have someone that helps me write my articles and I have someone that helps me with my social. So I think it's like having such a clear view of what you're terrible at and hiring the best and most talented person is a great solve for a lot of these things. There's this book called The One Thing. I don't know if you've heard of it, but that book really brought clarity to me because it just shares how we could do a lot right? But if you're doing a lot, you could only achieve probably like 10, 15% of like your greatness in those areas. Whereas if you just really focus on the one thing that you're incredibly great at, and that would actually move the needle, that will have much more of an impact on your life and your business versus doing like five things or 10 things that you're kind of mediocre at. So For 2020, I realized this because um, I was at home working and kind of doing a lot of things. And I realized that I just can't work that way. And I was just kind of half-assing so many things. And that is when I decided that like, okay, I need to really focus and hone in on this one thing. So yeah, I have to agree with you on that. I love it. So you might have already said you just answered the question, but what is a piece of advice you've either learned yourself or someone gave you that's really been helpful, you know, through your career? Yeah, I mean... I would have to say is really explore yourself. And if you don't know what you're great at, that's part of the journey. So you have to do things that make you feel really uncomfortable. And then you will realize, hey, I'm actually really great at this. Or, hey, I'm actually really horrible at this. And so one is to explore things. If you're still discovering what your strengths and weaknesses are, Try different things, right? And don't be afraid if it's like outside of your lane. You you never know. You might surprise yourself. And secondly, once you figure that out, is really hone in on it and go, just go for it. You know, what you suck at, you know, know that you're horrible at it and ask for help in those areas. And, you know, it might be repetitive because we pretty much talked about this one topic this whole time, but it, it it's the one thing that really changed my career and the 
the ability for me to do many different things and be successful at many different things is knowing what I'm really horrible at and just hiring in those areas. I think that's awesome. It's been so great to talk to you. Thank you for sharing and thank you for being so open. And, you know, we look forward to the opening of Bumo. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, you better sign up before it's too late, before it's all filled up. Yes, yes, please do. You can check it out at bumowork.com. Or if you're not in LA, you can check out bumobrain.com because that's our virtual uh, platform for kids ages two through six. So thank you, Rebecca. This was so much fun. I am so excited that we kind of got to catch up. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birch Boxes, as well as our site.